Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to After Work Drinks, the weekly podcast brought to you by two journalists and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill, who debrief on the week that was over a bottle of red wine. Hello. Hello. How are we? I am well. I'm very conscious of breathing. Oh, my because... God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've never disclosed this before, but it's probably quite obvious that I have like a sinus problem, mm. which I've had for years. I'm really scared of getting surgery, so I've been putting it off, but it's the date, save the date. Yeah. 30th of May. Every time, um, because it's, it's like, essentially you have a deviated septum, right? Yeah. Which I just, just can't really breathe through my nose, which is a problem, you know, at yoga in just in general at the dentist, it just comes up recurringly. And also when you're having a podcast where you're recording yourself all the time, because <laughs> like if you, if you listen closely, you can just hear me being like, <gasps> what is that movie? Deviated septum just reminds me so much of that. What? Reese with a spoon, young Reese with a spoon, and oh, cool intention. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. It That's is that you. vibe. Mm. Unfortunately, it wasn't from drug use. <laughs> yeah, achieved through partying. It's just a horrible um, generational problem as well. Lots of family we were just talking it. about it because I said I just feel like such the worst friend ever. Because obviously, you know that you can't breathe. Yeah. But last yeah, week yeah. I was like, by the way, you can hear that you can't breathe. Yeah, no, but I sometimes you hear it and sometimes you don't. And the worst thing is when I sometimes post an Instagram story and I'll listen back to it and yeah, all I can like hear is me being like, <gasps> it's, it's, horrible. it's a horrible sound. It would drive me insane if I was listening to a podcast with it. So, so I'm going to try and stop and if I pass out midway through. Who's made it this far, soon it will be fixed. I wonder if you'll sound completely different. I wonder that as well. I kind of wonder if I might have like a beautiful singing voice. But I think that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> no. We're the, both the worst singers in history. Yeah. My voice is horrible. It's so... Mine is so bad. Yeah. Mine it's is so bad that my ex-boyfriend... I told Anton this the other day for the first time. My ex-boyfriend used to actually not be able to... Even if I was just... It's actually quite mean. If I was just singing and having fun, he would have to like leave the room. <laughs> because he didn't know how to act. So he couldn't yeah, just... Yeah, it's really jarring yeah, when someone he... is like that bad in yeah. that scenario. And yeah. he was just like, I can't be here because <laughs> it's just too awkward he just got too awkward i remember once my friend phaedra we were either doing karaoke or singing in the car and she was fully like whoa grace like, <laughs> like we, were, we were just having this fun jolly time and then she was like no 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 anyway so let's get into it what did you see us I feel yeah like i saw yeah, us i saw us again last night oh dear very on brand um you might be sad 
Mm. I liked it, mm. um, but I just thought it was nothing compared to Get Out. Yeah, Zach was the same. He he's, he was like, it was a bit, not messy, but there was a lot to deal with. Yeah, and I know <laughs> that horror movies, like I know Get Out was just in no way realistic in any shape or form, um, but... I felt like this one was less real. I don't know, Mm. just zombies I couldn't get behind. And also (laughs) I saw that you wrote an article on Elle about explaining the ending. Mm. I guess we can't really talk about it because heaps of people might not have seen it. Let's just do a spoiler. Spoiler. (laughs) Cut to two minutes ahead. Cut to, yeah, like a couple of minutes probably. People won't want to do that, but that's fine. Yeah, just 30 seconds. (laughs) Go, quick. Go, quick. So what happens? Like, what is is it? Oh, so the girl who went back up to join the parents was the was the evil girl yeah. from the mirror so then but then at the end how her kid looks at her funny does has he figured it out but how i think because when she kills her the because I, I figured out so much more watching it the second time mm. when she kills her she starts doing that like animal sound that the red people do where she's like ah, ah, and like kills her and the one that she kills is doing the whistling like the mum. Oh. So you kind of get this interplay between the two of them of like she becomes the more manic animal one and the other one becomes the more kind of human one. Okay. So the whole idea apparently is that it's meant to be about how in America there's this huge underclass and that the person you become is all based on what your circumstances are. So no one's good or bad. It's just if you grow up in this like shitty fucked up environment, you're just destined to be a fucked up person. Oh, and if I like you get that. to Yeah, so the the bad one was never bad. She was just in a bad environment. And when she was up on the top, she could become a loving mom and all that stuff. And then the bad one was, the good one was never good. She was just in that environment. And when she was brought down, she became crazy and evil and wanted to kill everyone. Okay. I like it when I actually think of it as having a meaning. (laughs) Yeah. The message was much more confusing than Get Out. Get Out was very like, this is what this is about. But re-watching it, having read that that's what he said about it. I was like, oh, this is very... A lot of things I didn't get mm-hmm. all kind of tied together and made sense. He's very clever. Yes, he's very clever. Mm. Um, and then I just listened to um, Lapita Nyong'o on who is the lead character in the movie and who is a goddess. Um, She's just... Um, I, Zach hadn't seen her act before and he just came out and he was just staggered. I was like, she's... Just so beautiful, so mm. classy, elegant, amazing. I just love it. Um, she's on Goop. Really? Yeah. <gasps> Dream. With Gwyneth. Um, and I was actually li- like listening to the end of it on the way here. And it's funny because Lapita's obviously a Spanish name, but I didn't yeah. really ever think of that with her because she's from Kenya. Yeah. But she was actually born in Mexico. Right. Um, because her dad was in self-exile. He's a politician and he was part of a group of people fighting for democracy in Kenya. <laughs> of course. Like, yeah. Like she just comes from this line. Of- yeah. I think she comes from quite a well-off family. She speaks four or five yeah, languages. She was speaking, so think, then Gwen yeah. jumps in and starts speaking fluent Spanish. And then they spent like two minutes speaking Spanish. I was like, that's enough guys. And then Anton was in the kitchen speaking Spanish. I was like, everyone can stop. Yeah. And so can Megan Markle. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just assumed that of Megan, um, but just Gwen jumping in. I was like, I love yes, that. we get it Gwen. Um, and then she also said this really great thing about her mom. Um, and she said she wears her ignorance with humility. Um, and will speak about what she knows and what she doesn't know with equal measure. Like the opposite of us. Yeah, the opposite <laughs> of us. And that was what Lapita was saying. She was saying that her biggest fear is coming across like an idiot. And she always yeah. felt like that at school. She wouldn't put her hand up if she didn't know something. That's exactly me. Yeah, yeah. Same. Like when I got my first job, I just pretended I knew how to use Photoshop. Mm. Absolutely was like, yep, absolutely know how to use it. Yeah. And I didn't even know how to resize an image. And I messaged my best friend, who's a graphic designer. And I messaged him and I was like, how do I resize an image in Photoshop? Because Google just wasn't helping and I was at work. And I was worried. Yeah, and I and I was worried people could see my computer. And so and I couldn't had no idea that spoiler, you can just resize images in like preview. It's so simple. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, or just anything. But I was like messaging him and I was like, how do I do it? And he's so cute, he sent back a video tutorial. Aww. He filmed himself and did like a 30 second clip. That's really but, yeah. nice. So the Peter was saying that like that's the really great thing about her mum, which I love. Yeah, that's so good. She's just beyond. It, but I don't want to get too high horsey, but watching that again made me realize when you're not a white person, or especially a white man, but 
you know, if you're a woman of color, you have to just work so much harder and be so good to even be in the running for things. Mm. You know, you have to speak four languages and be supermodel beautiful i believe school yeah and be the most talented actress and like all of that to not even be on the same name basis level as like Mm. emma stone or brie larson or Mm. whatever you have to just work that much harder all the time and you know us will never get tipped for oscars or oscar nominations or things like that because it's not seen as a quote-unquote oscars movie Mm. because what is has just been defined by what i don't know People like of, Steven Spielberg make yeah. like they just decided that's what they like in movies and therefore that's the way that we judge art forever now. It's so true. Yeah, because I was sort of like, it's funny. It's, it's exactly proving your point because when I was listening to her, I was like, I had no idea that she was from a really wealthy family in Kenya. Who mm. she took? She was like, I took my first steps when she was one in New York City. Yeah, and traveled around the world. Her parents sent her to an Ivy League school. Mm. I think she went to Yale. Like she's yeah. got a honors or whatever, and yeah, that's the only way she would have made it. Is this really? Why are there so many sirens? Tonight? I don't know. <laughs> it's like World War Three going on outside. Breaking out. Us is happening downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it um, drives me nuts. But yeah, and then I watched a movie called Colette, based oh, on the writer Kira? Colette. Yeah, with I Kira. I really want to see that. It's such a great story. So her husband was a really famous novelist in Paris but he was what era was it oh dear <laughs> yeah it was in the 1800s I think around yeah. 1840 <laughs> I just had to google that um and she was so he was a novelist quite famous novelist and he was actually making people secretly write for him so he wasn't <laughs> writing any of the books oh, a and modern then, day Elizabeth Holmes well not modern day but... mm, um and then she was I think she wrote stories for kids or she wrote a couple of like kids books because she was a teacher and then he got her to start writing for him and then he turned they don't really cover this as much in the film but i think he turned quite abusive Mm. is what i've heard and they do in the film show him locking her in a room because she refused to write and he said you you can't come out until you've done six hours worth of writing and he would lock her in the rooms and then all of her books that she wrote became bestsellers and super famous (gasps) under his name yeah and then eventually it's just a really great story it's super interesting but basically now she's i think she's the best known writer um from france ever yeah so good and i listened to the daily um and they did an episode on christchurch and it was so sad it was a story of one one family whose dad was shot he survived but their brother died and they are speaking all about it. And it actually made me cry on the way home from mm. the gym yesterday. It was so sad. Um, and I was playing scenes from the funeral and things like that. Yeah. But they were just so, I don't know, for people who have just lost a brother and a son, mm. they were just so composed and so, and his wife was speaking and they've got a young mm. child. I think I remember seeing the pictures of him. Yeah. yeah. And the um, kid was like, is daddy in Auckland? Because he was oh. flying to Auckland. And she was like, no, daddy's flown to heaven. You know, we can't oh call God. him from here. It's just, it was so sad. I don't know, but it kind of makes it seem like more of a reality listening to that. Yeah. Because you feel kind of removed from it when you're over here. Yeah, totally. Well, I do anyway. It's very hard when you hear like a death count that high to kind mm. of wrap your brain mm. around it. And it's only when you hear those stories and you think, you know. Yeah. And then the only other thing that I have been doing, which is has gotten so much response, is I'm reading A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Mm. Have you heard of it? Mm, va- like vaguely. Yeah. So it's a book that was released in 2015, but it's, get- it's gotten quite a lot of heat over the past year. All my friends have been reading it and so many people have been posting about it. And basically it's like 700 pages. It's a very big book um but everyone everyone who posts about it it's funny they're just like it's devastating it's heartbreaking it's like the hardest book i've ever read i was crying and everyone who messaged me was like good luck yeah this is so hard but apparently it's it's incredible um and my friend maddie who has a website called the 20s club she wrote an entire article about how it changed her life um so what's it like where's it set what's the so it's set in new york and it's based on four friends um, mm. and their lives but it's sort of 
pivots around this one character called Jude. Mm. Um, and I'm maybe, I don't know, 150 pages in. So I'm like very yeah close to the beginning still. Because it's so big. Seven hundred <laughs> pages is a real yeah. punish. Like, but also I don't think just I could sign up tiny writing. But it's it's so good because you know when you when you read a book and you just I'm I love big books. So I never want them to end when I love them. Mm. So when I'm reading a book that I love, I'm like I was saying to Anton last night. I was like I'm so glad that there's so much of this to go because otherwise I'll just chew through it like with normal people. I read it in like five hours. Yeah, I was yeah. Just like, I love this. I love this, and then it's done, and I'm so sad. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so yeah it's really good i think it just is sort of from what i gather so far i haven't really asked anyone because i don't want to find out but from what i gather so far it's about jude's um upbringing and like the horrible life he had and then i think it's a lot to do with friendship Mm. yeah so i'll lend it to you after but i think even after this i'm sure that heaps of our listeners will message because i got such a huge response by just saying that i was reading it interesting also this is so off the topic but um Sally Rooney book, Normal People. Mm-hmm. It's getting made into a TV show. Oh my god! Yeah, and I've ju- I figured out the other day, and as soon as I heard, it, I thought it. I was like, I'm a genius. Exactly who Marianne should be. Go, Lucy Boynton. Yes, you like a hundred percent with dark hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. from Bohemian Rhapsody. Definitely, like perfect casting choice by me. Yeah, I don't cause... care why they're making it a TV show. Like, I, I know we're in the golden age of TV, but it feels like it would a movie quite easily yeah they made um sweet bitter you know that book into Ooh. a tv show and i think james that was panned wasn't it james franco or something produced it and it was just oh no maybe brad pitt oh or leo <laughs> it was just bad anyway. <laughs> one of those <laughs> one of those three yeah um yeah it wasn't very good yeah but on the topic of books we've actually Gone yes. into another medium. I was about to say that I'm the opposite of you with books where I like books where I rip through them quickly because I have a Goodreads account and I'm obsessed now with ticking things off on I it. I tried to find you on it and I couldn't figure it out. I wonder what I have. So, yeah, I, it's, it's not a very usable app, I have to say. No, yeah. not very UX friendly. Yes. <laughs> but we have created a Goodreads account because we got some listener feedback that it was too hard to keep track of all the books that we were discussing and recommending. Mm. So so if you go on Goodreads, and then I figured this out yesterday when I was trying to find Grace, you go on Goodreads and there's actually literally right beside your profile icon, there's a people or friends icon, and then you just search after work drinks. Yeah. And you'll find us. I need to add you because my thing as well is I never, ever, I've got my own. But last night I was trying to add some to our after work drinks one, and I was literally like, I cannot think of one what book, book have I've I read. ever read. The only reason I have it is because we have these bookshelves up and I look at them and sometimes I go through them and, through them and see one that I've read that isn't on Goodreads and I have like go on, edit. a fucking mm. ecstatic moment when it happens. The I'm only so issue will be, I guess maybe we only put books we really loved on there. Mm. No? Uh, yeah, I guess not like a random book we read when we were 15 or something. No, but, but like yeah. I was just thinking the issue would be if you liked a book and I didn't like a book or... The other way around with Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love. I didn't mm. know how to rate it. So I gave yeah. it a four. Right. Because I don't do didn't... ratings because I don't, I don't know how to rate books. Oh, you just, there's just Like stars. I know physically how to do it, oh. but I just mean I, I never know. I always feel a bit well, harsh I thought we'd or a wanna, bit kind. I thought we'd want to do that so people knew if we liked them or not. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, who's a really enthusiastic Goodreads reviewer? Mm-hmm. Roxanne Gay. Oh, there's like okay. hundreds of books that I've gone on and put on want to read or put on read and she's done a literally novel sized review on really? it and her read list is like 585 books or something. Okay. Well, I feel like we just do stars. Yeah. And if we could was... even do like a little cute, like Izzy says, Grace says. Yeah. yeah. I like that. But is that going on our own account or is that going on? No, on the Afterbird Drinks account. Oh, okay, cool. So then if we're that. split, we'll do like four or three. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Anyway, anyway, thanks for joining our meeting. Yes, <laughs> our strategy meeting. Yeah, um, I am nearly finished with the People vs OJ by Jeffrey Tubin, which is the book that the TV show was based off. Mm. We both love the TV show. Mm-hmm. You loved it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey Tubin is a New Yorker writer, um, CNN legal correspondent. He's written about lots of cases, like the Patty Hearst case. The book is fantastic. It's just that like really good. You can see why the show was so good based off the book, but it gives so many more details that you kind of miss. But something I found really interesting 
And why I mention it is that it reminded me so much the context around it of why Michael Jackson was acquitted for so long or mm-hmm. Michael Jack- why he was acquitted and why he avoided jail time. And similar to R. Kelly as well, which we've been discussing, so much of the context around it is really similar. Johnny Cochran was actually Michael Jackson's lawyer, who's OJ's lead lawyer. He was Michael Jackson's lawyer in the sexual assault case in 2003. Oh, my God. And he did the exact same thing where the he... The celebrity thing. St- yeah, where he staged... Uh, he made it out to be sort of a black man being brought down by a prejudicial police system. He staged a, like a press conference where he got all of the lead... Um, like heads of the black churches in LA to appear and defend Michael, even though Michael hadn't been to church in like 40 <laughs> years. OJ had never been to church and had black pastors defending him. The the guy really outlines that there was a huge race problem in the LAPD at the time, but the least deserving people benefited from it. Mm-hmm. So the most rich, the people that gave nothing back to the black community, people that were wife beaters or sexual abusers, benefited from racism like benefited from a system which didn't really affect them because they were the one percent of black people that weren't affected and all the people that really were affected got nothing out of it Mm -hmm. so that was really interesting and then because i was really into reading about it i listened to jeffrey tubin on the alec baldwin podcast have you listened to that before it's so good oh my because i'm not like a huge alec baldwin fan i'm kind of like i mean yeah funny he's a very sophisticated like new yorker kind of guy and the, he interviews like really interesting people a lot of new yorker journalists he interviews like some politicians violinists it's all very kind of highbrow mm. and the opening is jazz music and he's got this great voice and i just i, I love just his love wife him. i love his sort of family yeah. situation they're he's, quite cool and he's really funny he yeah. interviews um Susan Orlean, who's a journalist who just wrote a book, which I have about how the LA library burnt down in the seventies and they lost 400,000 books and just no one knows about it. Cause it was the same week as Chernobyl. So it just never took off as a oh news God. story. So just no one knows. And she's like, there's all of these like documents we're never going to recover again. He interviewed her and she was talking about a story. I think she wrote about child abduction because she was like, yeah, it's just normal in the like, 90s to let seven-year-old kids walk around and he was like my child walks to school with an armed bodyguard oh 100 i would i would never let my kid walk down the street i know but i love how he says he just it. says it like he just says it so deadpan it's so funny that's really good and then another thing i read was a really good interview it's literally from like 1994 or something i don't know how i stumbled on it but it's between bell hooks who's that feminist writer all lowercase bell hooks oh, mm-hmm. interviewing Lil Kim for Paper <laughs> Magazine in the 90s and it's just the best fucking interview like she's it's she's talking about how Lil Kim is super sexualized and how good her like rapping prowess is because it's undermined because she's a woman and how everyone focuses on her sexuality and it just made me think about how people have been having these conversations we kind of feel like we've invented a lot of these conversations about yeah. feminism we're like why didn't anyone think of this before no why didn't you think of paying us the same? Yeah. why didn't anyone think that it was bad to call us sluts and it's like they did just yeah. no one listened yeah. to them um so that's so good the let's, whole thing um put it in our facebook group let's try yes. and remember to do that on thursday when this i comes know out. yes we will it's so hard to plan ahead it is we're those. quite forgetful with our social <laughs> platforms <laughs> yeah then- literally grace um, I'm sorry, but you did yeah. say let's take turns daily. I know you've done all of them this week. I did Look, one she goes, at the club when she I was, was like, drunk I need. Saturday. She goes, I need to know that you'll be angry at me if I don't do it. And I was like, okay. And so on Saturday night, when I was at us, like watching it in the theater, I was like, she's yeah. not. I was like, she's drunk and she's not going to do it. And I was yeah. like, post on Facebook. Or in, no, post <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah, you did it. And then forgot since and then. then. <laughs> and then since then silence silence yeah i don't so know we've got to give me like some sort of cash incentive or something <laughs> you get a bonus if you post you get a bonus bottle of wine if you post that would be good yeah the last thing is i listened to the cut my first the cut podcast oh. i listened to i listened to them interview rukmini from the caliphate podcast our favorite woman mm. and she is the best i love her i was actually listening to i didn't see that yeah, it's really good. It's Stella Bugby interviewing her. Oh, that's cool. And um, it's for their How I Get It Done series. Oh, I never listened. To, I don't know why. I just don't like 
I don't, I don't really care for it either. I just interviewed except unless they're famous. Like, yeah, I'll listen to Gwyneth Paltrow interview yes. Julia Roberts, and that's about as far as it goes. I wanted to listen to this because it said she talked about her husband, and I don't know why. I just had this fascination with who she would be married to, considering she's like in and out of ISIS territory mm. several times a month, and it's just this amazing. Uh, she's the best, um, but she. You should I, remind people about her podcast. Yeah, Caliphate. It was a podcast, a nine-part series she did for the New York Times about ISIS and how ISIS has kind of grown and formed. She's just amazing. She's like incredibly soft-spoken, oh, but I super smart. Yeah. Um, I was listening to it as I was flying into Melbourne on Friday, and I don't know if I told – I think I did tell you. I had the worst turbulence of my whole entire life. It was like insane, and she was talking about – ISIS in Syria while I was listening to it and I don't know why my anxiety was just skyrocketing anyway the reason I loved it on top of a lot of the things she talked about ambition which we just talked about in our podcast and about how she felt that her marriage only worked because she was more ambitious than her husband but he was totally happy with that and that she'd been with so many men before he's a personal trainer which I just kind of love for some reason Mm -hmm. um she dated lots of other journalists and photographers and she just said they were always so threatened by how ambitious she was and could never be outshone by her. And that she has so many friends who she feels got married and had kids and had to really shelve their ambition to serve their husbands. Um, And she just says that she's so lucky and can only do what she does because she's married to someone that loves that about her and isn't threatened by it. That's so nice. It seems Mm. like that's what you see with Jacinda and Clark. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, which actually is a nice segue. What? <laughs> into the next thing we wanted to talk about. Oh, I was like, into what? So aggressive. Like what? <laughs> no. Um, yes, so we both really loved an article this week that Tina Brown, who anyone who knows us will know she's our president. <laughs> yeah, she's literally the president of After Vote Dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She doesn't know she's, she's unofficial... like the executive producer yeah. of this podcast. Unofficial CEO know. of After Work Drinks, um, Tina Brown, who was the former editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. Um, and she wrote a piece on Jacinda Ardern and just basically women in power and what happens when women stop leading like men. So basically she's talking about how Jacinda Ardern has been leading with with what's the word with like compassion yeah. and empathy but integrity as a per, like what you said as a yeah, person yeah. rather First, than as a yeah. politician whereas men in the same position as you know justin trudeau showed when there was the same sort of thing happened in canada and Barack when it happened in the usa they both led like politicians they were mm. sort of like we'll get i think i don't even think justin trudeau made an appearance but Barack sent Michelle and they were like, cool, we'll do the appearances, we'll do the statement, that's that. Mm. And Jacinda just put her feelings first as a human and what she thought was right. You know, when she was speaking on the project um, to Waleed yeah. and he asked her about the hijab and wearing it or wearing the scarf on her head and she said she didn't even think, she didn't even really think about it. She was just like, it, it was just seemed like the right thing to do and I just went and did it. Um, and basically Tina Brown was saying that it's showing that when women stop following in men's footsteps, which is what we've been taught to do to get to that place, yes. to get to be a CEO or to get to be a prime minister or to get to be a leader, then that's when we really shine because we're actually yes. showing off our skills. Yeah, totally. I loved it so much because it's something that I've, I think we've talked about before. I've thought about a lot about how all of the things that, I see and say, like, my mom, who was a single mom, all of the things that make her amazing are very, like, feminine Mm. traits. It's Mm. the fact that she went out and did a job that she didn't like all that much because she had to provide for her kids or the fact that she multitasked and juggled or the fact that she can handle things in a financial climate with, like, empathy and with all of the things that are seen as weaknesses at work, like, crying at work or getting emotional and getting Mm. too emotionally involved or caring too much or uh you know having to leave early to get to pick the kids up from school they're all seen as negatives but really they can all be it's that multitasking that we're taught to do from juggling kids juggling work juggling everything and also the fact that women and mothers are always the people we go to 
that your mum is the person you'll call when you have a problem mm. and they're problem solvers. Yes. They talk it through with you. They calm you down. They tell you what to do about your problem at work or what to do about your problem with your boyfriend. They're the kind of rational thinkers in the situation. Yes, exactly. And that like it, it's that whole thing where in Sweden they're road testing six-hour working days and they're saying if you can get your work done in the same amount, if in less time, you can leave at the same time as school pick up, right? Like I think they've road tested that and productivity is at an all-time high. Mm. Because people – I know – mums who have wanted to get back into the workforce and know they could do the amount of work that needs to be done but want to do it in part-time hours or lesser hours that makes so and much aren't sense. allowed to do it right and they could do it we all know if we were forced to do our jobs absolutely in 10 hours less a week we would figure out how to do it if it went we had more time at home or mm. whatever and then when you have kids it's time that tenfold yeah and so what she says in the piece is she says women were afflicted by the responsibility gene so we've evolved to deal with all the perplexities of life and find means of peaceful coexistence where men have traditionally found roads of conflict. Mm. And we've had to deal with helping kids with homework and sitting down and really talking them through their math problems and then going and cutting sandwiches for lunch and doing all of these things and having to keep a cool head about it and having to have the patience mm. needed to do all those tasks. And now she's saying that those small things that women have just learned over centuries are now really showing i actually pulled a quote that i want to read out yeah women have learned and taught lessons about how to cope with seeming impossibilities in ways that men traditionally and to this day have not coaching a slow learner on homework after a day of hassles at the office provides a deep experience of delayed gratification a woman's wisdom comes in part from the great juggle of her life and then she also points out um i love that and the re- just quickly the reason that she says that specifically is because her son has autism and she would do full days as the editor-in-chief of the New Yorker or a Vanity Fair and then come home and mm. take, you know, all the parenting responsibilities of the house. And then she says sort of near the end, um, who will ever forget CBS anchor Gail King just sitting there while um, R. Kelly is just screaming and yelling because yes. that's all he can think to do as a man. And she's just patiently, calmly taking his response. Yeah, It's like on a world scale where things like the Christchurch terror attack happen and you need to have a cool head. You need to know what the right thing to do. You need to know how to rationally act not only as a politician but as a person. Mm. That's when women are really proving themselves. Yeah, and the, the, it's obviously not to say that men don't have empathy, but I think women are chastised and belittled for being overly emotional when I feel Mm. like there are a lot of cases in human history where someone bringing empathy, compassion and thoughtfulness to the table would have probably averted a lot of disaster, to be quite honest, you know? And this idea that women's weaknesses, what's been posed as women's weaknesses, are actually their strengths is like a very refreshing way to look at it. Mm. Because I I think... 
you had to read had the hunt gone badly that day or is mm. he feeling jealous or whatever it was all about reading emotion and body even just language for survival. yeah to survive that was the we way know, that we know knew, how to yeah. do that now yes you know you can tell if you're not safe in a room yeah and it's it, the idea has always been historically that that makes us um weaker or inferior because we can't hide our emotions whereas she was arguing that we're actually superior on that level because we've learned to harness our emotions in a super intelligent way and that men are actually way behind us in that so that they're the ones that should be learning from us like it shouldn't be she talks about crying in the workplace and she has this argument that the reason men get so aggro about women crying at work is because they're kind of jealous like they're all these times so they yeah. wish they could and they can't so they get really they have this really emotional visceral reaction when women do because they yeah. think like i'd like to cry sometimes but i can't do it why can you do it you know and it's that's so where true. the like stigma comes from you guys can cry yeah it's silly it's so silly it's we there's no keep men thinking, at our work i know there's no men at our work but we it, we keep thinking that we will be successful when we emulate what men start doing instead of thinking that men can learn quite a bit from how women lead listen up men all two of you who listen to up to it drinks who also live with us (laughs) anyway Um, we love you tina tina jacinda like what a what a combo what a comp like our dream combo okay time for a top up yes Okay, so another thing we wanted to talk about for a while but hadn't really found the story to hook it on is this whole idea of us being sort of generation impatience. And our friend Mel, who works at Pedestrian, who we've talked about before, wrote a fantastic article for Pedestrian about the ick, which I actually, I got it straight away, but I hadn't heard of that before. No, I hadn't heard And I, I think it's a Sydney thing because I said it to Zach and he was like, oh yeah, the ick. I, I understood the concept straight away, but I hadn't heard someone discuss it before. Yeah. Mm. So the ick is basically when all of a sudden you just become completely turned off by someone yeah. and everything they someone do you're you find disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a it's such a horrible thing. It's horrible. <laughs> but the, when I was reading Mel's article, so I was like, I was just like, oh my god, I get this. Why have I never read an article about this before? Mm. This is just me in every relationship I've been in up yes. until Anton. <laughs> And no, but it was it was actually so bad that it was to the point where I kind of knew the date that I started to get the ick with right. all my previous boyfriends, and I was like, please, 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 God, don't make me get the ick. Right. I was so scared. I actually become petrified of it. Oh my god! Because was yeah, but what she was saying in hers is that it's with she was kind of phrasing it as if it was in kind of really new relationships. So yes. it was sort of six weeks in, you get the ick and you're completely turned off them and you yes. want to dump them or, or like two months in. But I will get it a full year in. Right. So mine, they're not safe until it's past a year. And yeah. Anton's the first person it hasn't happened with. Sorry yeah. to any old boyfriends who Sorry. might be listening. Yeah, that's interesting. I think to me it's only happened in like early days things where – it's like all fun and games and then all of a sudden they just send like one too many texts or mm. something a bit much and then you just cannot retrieve that feeling of like mystery and excitement about it. You're just like, no. Yeah. Mm. No, mine got so bad with an ex that I was like, I physically can't have sex with you. Yeah, right. Like I can't do it. So mm. we, I guess we Became have to break like up. a little bit like, I don't know what, like fratern, not fratern, what's the word, like brotherly or something yeah uh, yeah and then i was just like well we can't ever have sex again so if that means we have to break up then we have to break up like that's on you yeah (laughs) yeah uh it's so interesting but then mel kind of argued in this piece that the ick might be an excuse that this generation has to get out of things too early once they don't match up to this perfect ideology of a relationship that we have like as soon as it diverts off us imagining something being amazing and perfect we just want out and the ick is kind of an excuse for that which i think there are definitely cases legitimately where that happens and that's not the reason but i do understand that 
we're in a generation now that is very everyone talks about instant gratification culture and i think that that does definitely extend to your romantic life and you're kind of given the i don't know you're kind of it seems like with tinder and bumble and all these dating apps there's just people at the on your phone at the tip of mm. your fingers and and suddenly it's like well if this person's not doing it for you maybe this other guy will or maybe this other person will or there's plenty of other people out there and it's so easy you could literally because i know so many um friends like this as well who just can't be alone so they'll if they start having doubts about a relationship they'll just start talking to another person because mm. it's that easy to like slide into someone's dms who you think is good looking or go on tinder and swipe a few times and get a few matches and start thinking that that's fine and then yeah and it's also the way that apps are set up so um i remember when i was on dating apps and the sensation of being on there was very similar to the sensation i now have being on like the netaporter app where you're just mindlessly doing it while yeah. you're watching tv yeah. and you're hooked by the promise of maybe the perfect thing is lying there mm. if you just persist long enough like it's it's, it's horrible but it's so similar yeah. you want to get off and you're looking at it and it's just this empty dissatisfying feeling constantly swiping on human beings who have personalities and hopes and goals and souls <laughs> and you're like no 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 and then there's this idea that if you exit out of the app, maybe you're going to be missing out on the love of your life or this perfect person that you might. And that's what keeps you hooked in. And that's like an enticing promise. Mm. We don't walk through life. Maybe we sort of do, but we don't really walk through life thinking I'd better go to this party or I'd better go to this thing. Cause what if like maybe that's what it was like back in the day, but now yeah, you, you, it's you, you're very unlikely to, have any qualms about saying no to a social event or occasion or party or dinner party. I think a lot of people are like that. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Just in case they meet the person. Mm. It's made us really cynical about dating, dating apps because it makes you feel like, I don't know. It just made me feel as if you could kind of be compatible with maybe 4% of the population if forced together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also think that the whole thing with with the ick and with um, the instant gratification thing is just now we all just have so little patience. Mm. Like we have no patience to stick it out to see if this person actually may be the love of our lives. Mm. If we can just ignore the fact that they send four X's instead of two X's at the end of a text. Or maybe they ask you an annoying question. Or maybe they have annoying habits that you're just seeing like sooner rather than a year down the track because yeah. you're obviously going to see everything annoying about each other. And also, what I love about Mel's article is she's like, you're fucking annoying. Yes. Like, everyone's yes. annoying. You yeah, can't yeah. just be on your high well, horse. your shiny honeymoon self for like, she's like four weeks, five max. <laughs> yeah. But then you just, you're probably as annoying to them as they are to you. Yeah. Um, but the, the patience thing really got to me because we haven't actually, we've talked about patience a lot because I am the most impatient person mm. in the world and I know it. And there's, I'll like always... storm out of a coffee shop if there's like if someone's taking too long to pay. Yeah. And like make a scene of it. And I'm so not that person. I, I get so wound deal. up in yeah. Ubers and especially taxis when I'm on the way to a work meeting or I don't know. If I'm if you're in the back of an Uber or a taxi, you're 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 on your way somewhere and you're kind of in a hurry usually. And I will get to the point where I am close to tears. I'm like so frustrated that I want to pull my hair out if if we're late or if the driver takes a wrong turn or if just something happens, that mm. means I might not get there at the exact time I thought I was going to. I just can't, cannot handle it. And then when I was researching this episode, I was quite, I hadn't really thought of it in the terms of the fact that it's just so much to do with control. Mm. So having control over what time you arrive somewhere, having control over your day and your schedule. And when something just puts a spanner in the works, even in the tiniest sense, like a traffic jam or a roadblock, like road detour. I cannot handle it. Like, mm. it actually makes me feel crazy. Yeah. Um, and I was telling Anton, I, I said, me and Grace are going to talk about patience. And he was like, you'll have so much to talk about. Because it's... A two-hour bumper special. But it's true. I'm the same. And I think I used to think that it was just... I think we both are genetically or otherwise predisposed to be impatient. Like, I mm. think it's something that we like about each other where we would never line up for a restaurant or, like, no. wait in line for like if a train was five minutes late we'd just 
go get an Uber. Like we're very similar in that sense, but I also think it is a part of our generation where everything feels immediately accessible. Like mm. I gave an Uber Eats driver like a two star rating the other day because it took them like five minutes longer to get to my house than it should have. Yeah, and I was starving, and well, I was that... like, "This is literally." so 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 awful that this is happening to me <laughs> that I, I know that they took the wrong turn up there and now I just have to wait and then they were like I'm sorry well that's the thing and it's also like yeah we have uber dropping us food whenever we want and then we have dating apps bringing us people whenever we want without having and then, to leave the house and then yeah. we have we don't have to go to the movies or anything because all these brand new mm. movies are just loading on our computer mm-hmm. I just opened it up last night and I was like oh wow there's all these new movies just here for me mm-hmm. it's an online shopping you don't have to go into a store anymore it's just all there at our fingertips so then it's like how does anyone have patience yes why would you wait for anything now and it's I guess mainly fine in the sense of okay like it's not fundamentally bad to order dinner on uber eats or to buy clothes online or to whatever but then obviously it's messing up with our brains for we're not seeking things out and i actually see it in career context as well where i feel that not necessarily us but i do feel like our generation we're called this entitled generation a lot and i do think we've lost the reverence of patience and earning your yeah stripes and working your way up we really feel like we deserve to get things really quickly and we're very quick to write off people of an older generation as being not getting it or we're better than them or we're smarter than them or whatever they know we could learn quickly Mm. and easily by google like we don't have this and i hesitate to be like we don't have any respect for older generations but there is an element of us wanting everything right now and thinking that we deserve everything right now yeah and if an older person doesn't understand how to work twitter it's like oh yeah exactly you think that that somehow like undermines their ability to do every other aspect of aspect of their job that they've been doing yeah for years for 20 Until years this thing just yeah and we just it'll be me in five years it's already me trying to work out how to work good reads yeah exactly <laughs> but it's this huge arrogance we have mm. that anything any knowledge can be quickly acquired and it makes us i imagine very annoying to deal with as a generation i do think that um it has to be having some sort of impact on us though like the fact that we have videos in the form of vines because we cannot stay focused for more than six seconds Mm. we skim read articles Mm. all the time like we never even read full articles even when i'm was researching i was like i wonder if anyone's written anything on impatience and i was just (laughs) skimming the articles yes um twitter posts are limited to 140 characters because any longer and people would lose their attention span we can't like go on a walk without listening to a podcast and at the same time messaging friends and at the same time scrolling instagram and Mm. watching a movie and at the same time online shopping yes like we don't take anything in anymore because we're too busy doing the next thing and sort of for i think a lot of my the reason that my impatience is a problem is far worse than me just ordering Uber Eats because I can't be bothered cooking. It's more the fact that I'm always thinking a step forward. So mm. I'm always, I can't just enjoy my walk to work because I'm already thinking about being at work and I'm already thinking about getting the day done so then I can come and do this podcast with you. And then I'm thinking about the weekend and, and it's always what's happening in six weeks time or in six months time. Mm. And I'm just impatient to get there. I'm never just in the moment yeah and that was a big thing when i ended up seeing the psychologist about anxiety where we kind of realized i'd been living in i'd been using all of this technology as like a distraction every minute of my day up until the point where i went to see her it was like i woke up in the morning i had my laptop playing a tv show while i was in the shower while i was getting ready in the morning like it's crazy yeah i was getting ready in the morning as soon as i left the house i had headphones in I was listening to music or a podcast. I'd get to work. I'd be listening to music or a podcast while I was working. I'd come home, watch TV, be scrolling, internet shopping on my phone. Like every single second of the day was accounted for and it never gave me a free minute to think. And it wasn't something that I was doing consciously, but then I think I became, because I have anxiety, kind of scared to be alone with myself Mm -hmm. and then panicking. Well, why are you scared to be alone with yourself? And then... Uh, being alone with my own thoughts became this like kind of big black hole where there was nothing scary there but because I'd spent 
a year, two years, however long, avoiding alone time, suddenly the idea of sitting and just being and not doing anything felt terrifying. And being with your thoughts. Yeah, and she just kind of said, okay, we're just going to try this exercise where, like, I just want you to get from, like, waking up in the morning to leaving the house without any distractions. And that really freaked me out. Like, it made me feel terrified. And I had to very slowly make a point of not doing that anymore. And I always used to fall asleep with a laptop, watching a TV show, you know, and now Mm -hmm. I've broken all of these habits down. And even, you know, I wake up in the morning and I will not let myself look at my phone until I get to work. Like, I'll look at my phone, obviously, but I'll have a shower, do everything, get on the bus, read, then get to work. Yeah, I do that too. Yeah. So I put um, my phone on airplane mode because mm. I found that some of the worst parts of, I don't know, anxiety or kind of obsession with mm. being connected mm. was I would literally go to sleep and then I would wake up in the middle of the night and I think what I was doing when I was reaching my phone is checking what the time is. But then I'll see all these messages and if one of them happens to be something that I wasn't expecting or from someone, I don't know, someone saying something exciting or you mm. saying something like, oh my God. Buy this skirt, it's 20% off. <laughs> no, because Grace will always messages, oh my God, in caps. OMG, and so then yeah. now I'm, yeah. About anything from like World War Three being declared to like discounted yeah coconut water at Coles. yeah so that sort of thing and then i'd pick up my phone and then suddenly i'd be opening the messages and then i'm wide awake and it's two in the morning and for some fucking reason i'm checking a message from someone Mm. so now i just put my phone in airplane mode from about nine until the morning that's so good which is really nice um because there's just no distractions at all and i even go crazy if anton's phone vibrates i'm like get that away from me but it's it's uh, I've always felt that obviously we work in magazines and it's sort of seen as this old school medium now, but I think that it's, that's exactly why it has value because like the, the New Yorker is the only magazine in the world where subscriptions go up year on year. And that's a magazine that's printed on shitty paper, has basically no pictures and it's just giant, giant, giant blocks of text. And the reason mm. is because there's like a huge value now in forcing yourself to sit down with something tangible in your hands and forcing yourself and to be read it. it. And yeah. you need to, when you're reading something in a print magazine, sit and give your full undivided attention to it and focus on it and not get distracted, not get your brain pulled away. And that's, there aren't other things that are distracting you when you have that thing. When you have your phone, there or is when just, you have a tab open on your computer. Yeah, there is just this like unquestionable part of your brain that's thinking of the 75 other things you could be doing on your phone at that time. Mm. Like if you're on Pinterest, you could be on Instagram. If you're on email, you could be on your other email account. If you're on Facebook, you On my computer, you could be on... if I'm reading a really good article, I'm always thinking of the thousands of other things I should be doing. Yes, it's actually a thing. My old um, uni lecturer, I had a coffee with her a couple of years ago, and she said it's a, a psychological phenomenon when you she says it's lean forward versus lean back when you read a print magazine it's the same physiological sensation as when you go to the movies lie at the beach sleep sit in a deck chair at a beach house whatever it is that your body's open you're leaned back you're you're physically relaxed and when you read something on a desktop it's the same sensation as when you're answering emails and Mm. responding to friends facebook messenger post that you can't be bothered responding to like your whole body is just psychologically tense Mm. even if you're not aware of it so you i don't know the funny thing about patience is um that i read it was in the comments so leandra medine wrote an article on impatience Mm. and she was just like i'm the most impatient person in the world Mm. i rush through she was like at man repeller i rush through things with my staff and then things aren't done properly and then I think it's their fault but I haven't even given them the chance to to get it done and she was like it must be horrible to be around and someone left a comment and they like I'm a patient person and I really love an impatient person kind of being so aware self-aware yeah they can write this and she was like the thing with impatient people is that they expect so much patience from those around them oh my god which is just so true I, so I just true. expect so much patience from Anton at all times. If I 
feel stressed it's usually because i'm like being i feel like a lot of my anxiety is just i mean it is anxiety but it's impatience as well Mm. and it's the control thing as well Mm. like it all is one big bundle yes and i expect him to be so patient with me when i'm like having a fucking meltdown in the back of an uber and sending him like 84 messages being like i'm gonna be so late oh my god what am i gonna do i'm gonna be so late what the fuck how do i get there this uber driver is a fucking idiot like it's just nuts yeah whereas sometimes that clues me he's like what do you want for dinner i'm like i don't know like stop stressing me out like what is that you know like i'm so impatient for the smaller conversations Mm. it's so interesting i know i just wish there was a way to kind of i don't know how to teach myself it yeah and i wish there was something that just said you need to do xyz or to help yourself because i don't know how yeah but i need to figure out like even when i leave here tonight i'll be driving like relatively fast like not over the speed limit but literally like quite erratically just to get home yes i'm I'm the same i'm like i need to get home like i need to get home quickly like i just don't know why i can't just chill the fuck out it's so hard when i leave work i'm actually like i cannot handle this walk to if i'm walking to my car like i cannot handle this walk to my car it's just 10 minutes of wasted time (laughs) (laughs) i know but then it's like it's like that movie click with adam sandler it's like if you fast forwarded over all the stuff that you would fast forward over yeah exactly like where would we be right now i would be just in a box like i just have fast forwarded everything that's so true that's what you've got to and then it's that whole like cliched thing like you know life exists in these moments when you're waiting for exciting things to happen that's true i remember being in new york for new york fashion week and it was like it just felt like the biggest thing like it it was just the most amazing thing to have happened it happened so much quicker in my job than i ever thought it would and i was seeing an amazing hotel and i went to a fucking fashion show with like blake lively and emily blunt and all the mm-hmm. editors and i was just so freaked out and i was like how do i savor this moment and i just remember every single time i thought about it being like just stop and think about how good this is right now just how good this feels like right this second and it sounds really silly but i never do that in my life day to day and i just remember feeling that that those four days in new york was this really special time like i have very very vivid memories of it in a way that i don't about so many other things because there are so many things in my life where i never stop to just for one second be like just so true stop and take stock of this and actually enjoy it and i think i only did it like I can name on my hand five times I did it when I was in New York. It was like I was in a bath and I had an amazing view. And I was like, just stop and think about how sick it is that you're here watching West Wing in this bath. Like, this is really, really cool. You're going to get back to Sydney and want to remember this or whatever. But I don't do it, obviously. But it made me think that I should do that in my life day to day. I feel like we should. Yeah. We're two best friends sitting in a nice house with a glass of wine. There's like a trillion times in a day where we could do this. Like, it's, Yeah. I know. Even the other day I was walking, one of my good friends works at my work now. Um, and she, she used to work at a different publication. She moved across. And the other day we went and got a coffee together. And I was like, it was a sunny day and I walked outside and the sun was shining on my face. And I was walking with one of my good friends who literally for years, me, you and her, would talk mm. about how sick it would be if we worked, if we yes. all worked together. Yes. And now she sits right beside me. Yeah. And I was like, how fucking good is this? Like, yes. we're just walking. It's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning and we're going to get coffee with one of my good friends and it's a sunny day and we work in magazines, which is where I've always wanted to work my whole life. Yes. And it's good. Exactly. Where normally I'd be like, I bet they don't fucking have the almond milk that I like at this coffee <laughs> yeah, shop. Like literally. The, like literally clutching at straws to invent no, like, a problem. As we were walking, yeah. I was probably bitching about something else. But I was like, this is still nice. Exactly. Yeah. It all sounds very like woo-woo when you talk about it like that. But What does? Being like, oh, live in the moment. But there's a reason Oprah goes on about that shit. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> actually, literally does. It's actually very good for your brain and yeah, soul. Just, just slow down. And I, even when I arrived here tonight, Grace was like, she was sort of like, I feel like you're quite tense. And I 
am actually quite zen. Yeah, the opposite. You're like, I'm just fucking zen. Like, I'm just zened out. And then as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, man, like, I'm getting that frequency. <laughs> I've just been, yeah, I've, I've been trying to relax over the past few days. I've done things where I've, it's actually life changing and I didn't think it would make that much of a difference. But I've done small things where I've kind of muted, I've muted on Instagram people who, I don't like. People... <laughs> I was like, don't phrase this in a wanky way. Just say it. <laughs> people who do not bring me positive vibes. vibes. Yeah, no. um, and I was just like, I probably won't make that much of a difference because how often do you even see them pop up on your Instagram feed? But it just has. It means that they don't even pop into your brain at all. Yes. Which means I don't think these negative thoughts, which means I don't get in this hole of negativity. I just feel fine mm. and positive. And I'm going to try and stop multitasking and rushing yes and slowing down and we just Everyone we create a lot level. of like yeah get on my get on the Dalai Lama's <laughs> level it was um even the other day I came home and I'd been really stressed really stressed at work honestly without good reason like I just had yeah, got myself into a bit of a state and I was watching the Madeline McCann documentary and it was just fucking like shit about pedophile rings in fucking mm. Portugal and all this stuff and I was like this is making me so tense and miserable. Why am I watching it? And then I just was like, I'm just going to watch the Christmas special of the English office where they, Tim and Dawn hook up at the end and it's all good. And I like ran a bath and watched that and like put on a face mask. And it sounds, I know that's like the classic self-care 101 thing. But then but I felt amazing. Like I felt, yeah, that's why it's a thing. And it wasn't the bath and the face mask. It was the switching to watching something that just made me feel very good, good. and positive and optimistic. Like sometimes I watch true crime things and I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And then I keep watching it because I mm. don't know. I'm like, you should be resilient and it's not really making a difference. I remember my psychologist was like, don't watch stuff that makes you feel scared <laughs> like, like kind of like so hello. simple so simple but i was like well i should just be able to deal with that and she's like well no no like yeah. if you don't like you know like if you don't like it you don't like it just don't do it it's weird it's weird but there are all these moments in a day where you i don't know if you feel like this i have some idea of how normal people handle situations and then feel like that's how i should oh oh sometimes i don't know i think that um we're pretty emotional quite emotionally emotional people yeah so i feel like i just always handle things yeah differently. i don't really yeah. think about how other people might handle them though i think if i'm like overstressed at work my natural reaction is to just be like you're not doing a good enough job instead of being like you have too much work on yeah no I, come yeah, up I with a like solution yeah. to do it you know or why can't you handle this workload why can't, yeah, yeah like other people seem to be handling mm. it and why can't you handle it is i also the kind think of we need go-to. to um look into imposter syndrome more and come back with more of a take yeah because i haven't looked at it properly but i feel like a lot of people um feel like they have imposter syndrome so they just do you know what that is yeah yeah, yeah. And I, I just, feel like everyone I know, I, I honestly think everyone on the planet has that except some, those like annoying weird Elizabeth people that Holmes. have no reason to have it, but are yeah. super confident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, shall we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Um, that was a good chat. It was a good chat. That was chat. very like cathartic for me. I, know. I didn't even plan to go there. So we're going to meditate after this. We're literally going to go like just sit in silence for four hours. I had a d- gong thing. <laughs> We're going to meditate after this. No, but seriously. I know. We've become like such elevated humans in the last. I hope everyone else is feeling zen. Maybe it's that we've just had three wines. Yeah. (laughs) Also, my mum called me up the last episode and she was just like, I feel like she felt like a lot of guilt about her generation making us all feel like we had to become workaholics. And she was kind of like, you don't have to do that. Like, just just try and relax sometimes. I don't even know if that was coral and donna's fault i think it's more just everyone around us yeah i agree as well my mum also has a like propensity to feel guilty (laughs) for like this fridge breaking like she'll just be like i'm so sorry she'll call us after this and be like i'm so sorry you guys got drunk yeah she'll be like i'm so sorry that i don't know yeah 
Izzy got the ick with a guy in 2009. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll wrap it up. But um, please do remember that if you like what you hear, to follow us on um, Instagram, After Work Drinks Podcast. Now everyone knows that it's just me posting. Maybe Grace will make an, <laughs> maybe Grace will make an appearance in the future. Yeah. Um, the Facebook group, After Work Drinks Podcast, maybe? Or just After Work Drinks. I don't know. Just go, just search that. Just search it. And yeah, then... Um, and the Goodreads account. Since we're excelling so well at the other two, let's add another one to the mix. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a third account that we're probably not going to update, um, which is Goodreads. Uh, thanks very much. And please share us on your Insta stories because we want more people listening. Thank you. Yes. And write a nice review. <laughs> That's all we'll ask of you That's for actually now. all we really care about. What reviews? Yeah, and Insta stories. Yeah. I love it when people leave reviews. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's like, it really is the highlight of our week. Yeah. Um, okay, bye. 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 Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.